programming for this evening. Oh, you know, talking about. And look, it's funny to talk about that, but I'm so glad things have changed. I love my big screen TVs. I love HD. Change is good. And I was thinking about with all the safety practices that we have now and how things have changed in my lifetime. I think we have a picture of, of one of our staff members bringing his, his child home, and it's like a 12-point safety harness. Do we have that up? Okay, we got, look, we got those car seats. Kids can't go anywhere, all right? They are locked in. When I was a kid, this is what it looked like. Check this out. How many remember these days? Do we have the picture of what it looked like back about 20, 30 years ago? Come on, that's how we used to ride in the car. You remember that? How many of you rode on that ledge all the way to Florida for a vacation? I thought about this. My mom and dad, we would go skiing sometimes. We'd go across the Mississippi River. My parents would put me and my sister in the bed of the truck, not because there wasn't room in the front of the truck, but they need someone to hold the life jackets down to keep it from flying out. And man, things have changed, but change is good. And if, if we're going to understand that in our life, and those are some funny things to talk about, but we've got to understand that there's going to have to be change in our life, especially if we want to live the life that God has called us to live. I believe that God has a purpose for our life, that every single person here this morning, every single person watching online, God created you for a reason. God created you for a purpose. But if I'm going to experience that in my life, I'm going to have to make some changes in my life. And what I find about myself, and I don't know if this is true about you, uh, when I don't like the results of my life, or sometimes it's just the feelings that I don't like, I, I don't like, I want to make some changes, but I tend to change things that aren't that important. We're really good at changing the scenery around our life, but not making any real, significant, fundamental changes. We'll get a new house, we'll get a new job, we'll get a new relationship, We'll get a new church, and everything is changing around us, but nothing actually changes inside of us. And if I'm going to live what God has, now here's the thing. If you don't care to live the life that God has for you, if you don't care about, it's not really that important, living the life that God created you to live, that God filled you with the Holy Spirit for you to, to have in your life, then none of this matters. But if I want to be everything that God created me to be, I'm going to have to make some changes in my life. And I don't like to do that. I know you're probably not like this because it makes me uncomfortable. Change makes me nervous. It makes me uncomfortable. But I'm going to tell you this. God wants to make me uncomfortable so that I can be the man, so you can be the man or the woman, the person that God has created you to be. In fact, I heard a guy say it this way. I thought it was great. He says, Jesus came to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable. So if you're here this morning and you're disturbed, I'm gonna tell you, God wants to comfort you. But if you're here this morning and you're comfortable, God wants to disturb you. God wants to create some changes in your life. And the most fundamental change that we can make, the most important change that we can make in our life to live the life that God has called us to live is to change the way that we think is to change the way, that's before anything else. In fact, I like to say it this way. I heard a guy say it and I thought it was so, so smart. He said that is the top button of the shirt. You know what I'm talking about? When you go to, to button your shirt, if you get that top button right, everything else lines up. But if you try to start in the middle, it can mess up. Changing our thinking is the top button of the shirt. When we get that right, 
Everything else in our life lines up. And God knew, Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that our thinking was so important. And so he says this. I want, to look, I want you to look in the scripture in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. And, and in this chapter, I mean in this verse, Matthew takes Jesus' message and condenses it, summarizes it in one sentence. And, and this sentence is in Matthew, it's in Mark, and it's in Luke. All right, so all of the gospel writers, they take all of Jesus' teaching, they summarize it in one sentence, and then they take the rest of their book to kind of work out exactly what that means. Now, John doesn't do that. If you've ever read the book of John, John takes a chapter and a half to say what Matthew, Mark, and Luke say in one paragraph. Any of you have any friends like that? All right, they, they take five times as long to say what could have been said in one sentence. So right at the beginning of the book, Matthew, when Jesus starts his ministry, he gives you one sense to know, if you, got, if you can only know one thing, this is what Jesus came to say. Now read the rest of the book and it works out all the details. But I want you to look at Matthew chapter four, verse 17, it says this. From that time, that time is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, we're gonna have fun with this word, repent. Come on, turn to the person next to you and say repent. And get like a mean religious look on your face. You know, start like you smell something bad and then just look at them, all right? Come on, if you're watching online, type that in the chat. Just type repent, all caps, three exclamation points. We'll talk about what this word means in a second. He says repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, when that word repent, and I know that sounds like a scary word. All right, that sounds like a, some, some dude with a big sign and a long beard and he's on the corner of an intersection and he's just kind of yelling at people. You know, not, not talking to anyone, just preaching at everyone. And so that's what we think, we think the word repent, it just sounds mean. Here's what the word repent means. The word repent is a Greek word, metanoia. Metanoia, and it means this, change your mind. And it doesn't mean change your mind like, you know, I wanted a key lime pie, but now I decide I want carrot cake, all right? What it means is to change the way that you think. So Jesus starts out his ministry saying this, repent, change the way that you think. Change the way you see the world. Change the way you process information. Change the source that directs all of your action. He says, repent, change the way that you think for, and the word for really means because. He says, repent, change the way that you think because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, Matthew uses the phrase kingdom of heaven. Sometimes he uses the phrase kingdom of God. They mean the same thing. So Jesus started out saying, change the way that you think because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and I want you to catch this how important this sentence is. Because Jesus talks about changing our thinking, but before we talk about how to change our thinking, let's talk about why he said to change our thinking. Kingdom is so important in Jesus' teaching. And I think if we were to ask someone, you know, what did Jesus come to talk about? I think a lot of people would say love. Jesus came to talk about love, he preached love. And that is love is a significant part of Jesus' teaching. Love is mentioned 66 times in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Love is mentioned 66 times. Some people might say forgiveness. 
Jesus came to talk about forgiveness, and Jesus did come to talk about forgiveness. 37 times, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus talks about forgiveness. The word kingdom is used 119 times in the four gospels. That's how important teaching on the kingdom of God was. Because Jesus understood, if I don't change my thinking to recognize the kingdom of God and what that means, then I'll never understand what love and forgiveness and all these other great topics are about. So when Jesus tells us to change how we think, he says, this is why it's so important, because you need to recognize the kingdom of God. He says, and the kingdom of God is at hand. It is here. It is active. It is working in our life. So we need to understand what the kingdom of God is. And and here's kind of my definition of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, I think, means two things. Number one, it means God is in charge. When we recognize the kingdom of God, we recognize that God is in charge. I'm not in charge, politicians aren't in charge, the world is not in charge, nothing else is in charge of my life, nothing else is in control of my life, God is in charge. The second thing is this, God is present. God is here, God is active. It's one thing to be in charge if you're not there. Come on, who's been in a class with a substitute teacher? All right, the teacher was in charge, but the substitute was here. And when I think about the kingdom of God and what does that mean in my life, I thought about this story. When I was about 16 years old and I had just gotten my driver's license. You know, it was different back then. Back then you just brought a note from your mom to the DMV and they gave you a driver's license. It's different now. And so I was about 16 years old, just got my driver's license, and my dad pulled me aside. And Look, my dad was a pastor, and they called him Brother Green, and they called him Pastor Green, but those who knew him well called him Bubba, all right? And so Bubba pulled me, and there was a difference between Brother Green and Bubba. And sometimes he went from Brother Green to Bubba while he was in the pulpit, when I didn't when I act right. And so he pulled me aside. He said, look, son, you know, you're, you're older now. You got your license. You've got a new level of freedom. Uh, you're going to be out there. I don't know where you are. And you're with your friends. And they're going to be doing things that we don't do in this house. And you're going to be seeing what they do. And you're going to want to be a part of some of that because they're doing it. He said, but I want you to understand. You have to come home to Bubba Green. And they don't. What was he saying? Repent, for the kingdom of Bubba is at hand. And I'm going to tell you something. Bubba did not play. And when I was out there, I'm not saying I always made the right decisions, but that was part of my decision making. And so when God says repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, he wants us to understand, number one, I'm in charge, and number two, I am present and I am active in your life. Paul says it this way. Jesus said repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And here's what he was saying. The kingdom of heaven is coming whether you like it or not. You can sync up with it and reap the benefits or you can be out of sync with it and not get the benefits. So I'm giving you a warning ahead of time. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 12, verse two. He says, let God transform you. That word transform just means change. Let God change you into a new person. And again, I think this is so important. God just doesn't want to change the scenery in our life. God doesn't want to just change a few areas in our life. God doesn't want to make, you know, little improvements here and there in our life. God wants to change the fundamental structure of our life. God wants to make us 
into a new person. He said, let God transform you into a new person by what? By changing the way that you think. And he says, then you will learn to know God's will for you. Now, what is Paul saying? You can't know God's will for you even when it's right in front of you if you haven't allowed God to change your mind and change the way that you think. In fact, that word when he says you will learn to know, it kind of means two things in the Greek. One thing it means is recognize. You will recognize God's will. Can I tell you this? Here's my thought. I don't know if I can prove this exactly in Scripture, but I think this is what Scripture tells us, that God is going to present his will to us every single day. He just wants us to recognize it when it's there. And so it's not, God's will is not, you know, like, like a scavenger hunt out there. That he gives us, here's my will for you, now go out there and, you know, try to find it. I think sometimes that's how we live our life. We're on a scavenger hunt for God's will. God's going to bring his will to our door. As you read the Bible, they didn't go out looking for God's will. God's will showed up at their door. Come on, an angel showed up in Mary's house. An angel showed up in Joseph's dream. God's will showed up in their life. It's just some recognized it and some didn't. And even in Jesus' life, that's what he said. Some recognized who Jesus was and some didn't. What's interesting is many of the ones who didn't recognize it were the ones who were most religious. They spent the most time in church, but when God's will was right in front of it, they didn't recognize it because they hadn't changed the way that they think. That word learn to know really means to recognize what's right in front of you and to understand this is God's will for my life. Because usually it's not gonna look like we thought it would look. And I'll say this, I think sometimes when we think in terms of God's will, we think in terms of all the big decisions in our life. What school am I gonna go to? Where am I gonna work? What city am I gonna live in? Let me tell you this, and look, I think God wants to bless you in every single area of your life. I think God wants to bless me in every single area of my life. Sometimes I think God is up there saying, I don't care, just make a decision. I don't care where you work. Just be kind when you work there. I don't care what city you live in. Just have character when you live in that city. I don't care what school you go to, as long as you're investing in your life to be the best minister of the gospel in whatever field you choose to work on. I think there are a lot of things we ask God and God says, I don't care about that, but I do care about this. I do care about love and peace and joy. You can be wherever you want as long as you seek out the fruits of the Spirit. Does that make sense? And I think that's why sometimes we don't recognize we're on the scavenger hunt for what's over there And God says, but I put this person in your life for you to minister to, and that's my will for your life. And unless you change your thinking, and I love the way Paul says it, unless we allow God to change our thinking by submitting our life to him, unless you change your thinking and allow God to change you into a new person, which is scary, then you'll never recognize God's will for your life. You know, it also means to prove. That word, learn to know. It means to prove. It means to know the difference and to have trust. And so Paul says it that way, that we will learn to know God's will for our life. So how do we change our thinking? We've talked about the kingdom of God. How do we change our thinking? I think the first thing we do is we recognize his authority. If the kingdom of God is the fact that God is in charge and that God is here, then changing our thinking means recognizing those two facts and making them active in our life. Not just in our worship, 
not just in our prayer time, but in every decision we make, we recognize, first of all, that God is in charge. That God is in charge. You know, I, I, thought, I thought about this. When Jesus taught us to pray, when Jesus taught us how to communicate with God, what did he say? First of all, know who you're speaking to, all right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That means holy is your name. And that means, and, and I'm not getting down on if you use this phrase, but I'm not just talking to the man upstairs. I'm talking to the creator of heaven and earth. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then what's the first thing, because here's my first thing. Lord, just thank you, give me a great day, and then I have this list of things that I need. Lord, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. Jesus said, don't start with that. Start with my kingdom. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. First thing we ask for, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. Where is earth? Earth is where I am. Earth is my house, earth is where I work, earth is my community, earth is my mind, earth is my heart. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now where is heaven? Heaven is where everything that God wants to happen happens. That's what, that's what heaven represents. Heaven is exactly like God wants it, to the T, to the detail. And if you don't think God is a detailed God, go back and read the book of Exodus when God told Moses how to line out the tabernacle. He's got measurements. He's telling him what color of flowers to put on there. I didn't know God was an interior designer, but evidently he is. God is a detailed God, and he's that way in our life. And, and, and so Jesus says, when you're talking to God, you start out with, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And when I change my thinking to recognize the kingdom of God, I start out with recognizing God's authority. And saying, God, I want your kingdom in my life. I don't want my kingdom. Now, here's where this gets scary. Because that's a general prayer. I like to pray specific prayers. Now, listen, when I, when I get into this, first of all, I want you to know, if you've got a specific need in your life, pray a specific prayer, all right? If you're sick, pray for healing. If there's something you need, please don't. God is concerned about that. I don't want you to get that from this. But when I pray specific prayers, I'm praying specific prayers because I think I know what I need and I definitely know what I want. Does that make sense? Lord, I, I, I'm here, I wanna be here. Here's how I think I can get there. About four of these I can cover, but Lord, I need your help with the other six. I know none of you pray like that, that's kinda how I pray sometimes. So Lord, I, you know, I got this one, I can have this conversation, but Lord, I need you in this conversation. And Lord, I think I can pull this off with my own strength or my own smarts or whatever it is. But Lord, I need this to come through. Uh, they're a knucklehead. I can't do nothing with them. God, just speak to them and get them in line with what I'm trying to do. What is that? That's my kingdom. When I pray thy kingdom come, here's what's so scary about it. That is a general prayer. I have no idea what God's going to do. Lord, imagine this. If I woke up in the morning and said, Lord, do your will in my life, whatever that means. Amen, go take a shower, brush my teeth. That's kind of a scary day. You know what I'm talking about? That, that gets a little scary. And, and I thought about this. That's the prayer that Jesus prayed. And, and I, I think in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was facing the cross, I thought it was interesting. He prayed a very specific prayer for what he felt. 
But then he followed it up with a general prayer of submission. What did he pray? Lord, Father, essentially Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. He was not looking forward to the cross. He said, Father, if this cup can pass from me, please let that happen. Very specific prayer. But nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. That's changing our thinking because the kingdom of God is here. Lord, this is how I see it playing out and this is what I think I need. But in truth, I want your kingdom more than anything else. I want your will done in my life more than anything else. And whatever that means for my life, God, I give you complete reign. I recognize your authority. And Lord, you do whatever you want. Because here's what my kingdom is about. My kingdom is about my comfort. My kingdom is about what benefits me. It's about my agenda. It's about my happiness. And I don't even know any better to know what to ask for. And so I don't feel bad asking for the things that I think I need as long as I follow that up with, Lord, your kingdom in my life. And here's what I think God wants for our life. I think number one, because I don't think, this sounds crazy, I don't think he necessarily cares about some of the things we care about. I think he cares most about three things. I think number one, he wants us to know him. More than anything else, he wants us to know him. I love what Paul says. It's in Philippians chapter three, where Paul lists his resume and all of the things he's accomplished in his life. And in fact, in one sense, it's a list of answered prayers. You know, like, Lord, if I could just accomplish this, and then God gave it. And Lord, if this could happen in my life, and then God gave it. That's in about the first five or six or seven verses of Philippians chapter three is Paul saying this and this and this and this and this have all happened in my life and they've all been great. But then in Philippians 3.8, he says this, but all of that, everything else, is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. What Paul was saying is I would give all that up just to know him. And I'll be honest, we talked about this verse in, in my small group a lot. I have a small group of guys, we meet for a Bible study once a week, and we'll talk about that. And I think that is one of the hardest verses for me to live up to. I, I sometimes wonder if God would come to me personally. You know, I think, I feel sorry for some of the people in the Bible. I don't know if you ever think about this, because Jesus showed up like right in front of them. Or God spoke to him. You ever thought in the Bible, you think, man, I wish God would show up to me like this. Well, here's the hard part. When God shows up, you can't hide. All right? I've kind of got the benefit of Jesus never showed up in front of all y'all and said, what you gonna do? You gonna do this or this? All right? And, and so, but I've thought if Jesus were to show up in my life and say, look, you can have all this or you can know me, which one would you choose? The kingdom of God says, Lord, I wanna know you more than anything else. And can I tell you what, I'm trying to get there, but that's a hard decision. But as long as I'm pushing for that and I recognize his authority, Lord, I want, which I want for my life what you want for my life. And if you want me to know you, God, I wanna know you. I think he wants us to know him and I think he wants to make us more like him. I think in the kingdom of God, I wanna change my thinking to think, Lord, more than some of the other things that I've wanted, I want to know you more and I want to be more like you. Because here's my thought process a lot of times is when something painful 
comes in my life, I think, without God changing my thinking, how can I get out of this as quickly as possible with the least amount of pain? How can I get out of this situation as quickly as possible with the least amount of pain? You know what I think God wants me to think in that situation? How is this gonna make you more like me? How is this gonna give you an opportunity to show the world who I am, to show my strength, to show my joy, to show my holiness? And so sometimes I wonder if some of the prayers I pray, God says, look, I understand why you're saying that, but that's not my will for your life right now. I'm trying to make you more like me to prepare you for something that's coming down the road that you don't even know about. And if you step out of this pain too early, you won't be ready for what I've prepared for you down the road. And so God's will for our life, he wants us to know him, he wants us to be more like him, and he wants us to help other people know him. I really think it's that simple. If I could know him more, be like him more, and help more people know him. Now, what would that change in my life? Because here's why changing our thinking is so important. Because when we change our thinking, we change our actions. How would my life look differently if I made every decision with those three things in mind? How can I know him more? How can I be more like him? And how can I help other people know him? Instead of some of the things that I use to make those decisions, when I'm trying to live my kingdom for my life. And so we change our thinking by recognizing God's authority in our life. And then the second thing is this, we recognize his authority, but we recognize his presence. We recognize his presence in our life. And and I thought about this verse, and I think I've read it wrong for so long. In Psalms, let me check, I think it's 14.1. In Psalms 14.1, the writer of Psalms says this, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. I used to read that verse and think it was talking about atheists. Man, they're fools. How can they believe that there's no God? There's so many signs that there are God. But it's not talking about atheists because atheists didn't exist when this verse was written. This was written a thousand years before Jesus, somewhere between 500 to 1,000 years before Jesus. There was no such thing as atheists back then. Now, they might not have believed in the true God, but everybody believed in some God. What the writer of Psalms was saying there is there are people that say they believe in God, but there are parts of their life where they act like there is no God. And they are a fool. And I'm gonna tell you, that convicted me. Because there are, parts in my li- there are parts of my life where I make decisions as if God is not even involved. As if God is not present and active in my life. And when I do that, those are foolish decisions. And look, it's easy to say, you know, there are some people that they come to church, but then they leave church and they go do whatever they want to do. And they act like God's not there. And, and they don't understand. They're a fool. There's going to be consequences for those decisions because God is active. And, and I think that's true. But I like that interpretation because that doesn't apply to me that much. The one that applies to me is I think sometimes I make decisions based on paper. You know what I'm talking about? I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to put the pros on this side and the cons on this side. And I'm going to look at that piece of paper and I'll do it if there's more pros than cons, but I don't ever put God on that piece of paper. Does that make sense? I'll give you an example. Not because I want to talk about money, because I think it's one of the most important parts of our spiritual walk. I thank God that my parents taught me to tithe. And if you're going to make a pro and con list about tithing, 
There's a whole lot more cons than there are pros. I mean, maybe pro, you can write it off on your taxes. Con, everything else about tithing. All right, there's just not a lot of benefits in tithing unless you factor in that God says, test me in this and I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't even contain. I'd be a fool not to factor that in to that decision. And how many areas of my life, that's just one, where I'm trying to decide what to do and I make a list mentally or on paper, here's the good things, here's the bad things, but I'm a fool because I say there's no God, God's not interested in this or God can't act in this. And so I make a decision based on the way I'm thinking and saying, you know what, God is present in my life. And if he told me to do this, he's gonna bless me when I do this. And I thought of another way that we do this sometimes, and and I definitely don't wanna be harsh here. When there's no God, there's no blessing, but when there's no God, there's no hope. And I'm gonna ask the band to come out, or I'm gonna ask the keys to come out right now. When there's no God, there's no hope. And I believe there are people this morning that you're in a situation that you think there is no way out. There's gonna be no good news. Nothing good can happen in this situation. I wanna ask you to change your thinking to factor in the presence of God in your life. Because when God is present, there is hope. When God is present, there is healing. When God is present, there is restoration. We serve a God that raises the dead, that brings something out of nothing, that breathes on dry bones and and makes them live. We serve a God that gives us hope. And so many times I'll get in an area of my life where I think it's over, it's ruined, it's terrible. This will never be what it needs to be. And I'm thinking in my own life, I'm not factoring God into the equation. And God tells me, you need to repent. You need to change the way that you're thinking because the kingdom of God is at hand. And when God is there, there is life. And when God is there, there is power. When God is there, there is joy and there is peace and there is purpose. And I'm gonna do my will in your life. And I'm gonna tell you, that's why I think when, as I wanna change my life, there's so many changes I wanna make to my life. But I think God has been telling me lately more than anything else, I want you to change the way that you think. To recognize my authority, to recognize my presence in your life. Come on, if we could all stand right now. If we could all stand right now and I wanna pray for you. I'm gonna say a quick prayer and then I'm gonna turn it over to our campus pastors and they're gonna minister to you. Father, Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your plan for our life. God, we thank you that you have created us for a purpose. God, you have created us for a reason. And God, I pray that you would right now change the way that we think. Lord, to recognize you, to recognize your your presence in our life. God, I pray for somebody, somebody watching at home right now. God, somebody at the Denham Springs campus. Lord, they've lost hope. God, I pray you change their thinking to give them hope right now. God, somebody that, Lord, you've been speaking to them to make a change, to do something in their life. God, they've not factored in your blessing. God, I pray you give them the courage to make that decision right now. Lord, we thank you that you love us, Father. We love you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Your campus pastor is gonna come right now. Hey, I wanna do this. If you're here this morning, I'm not gonna call you forward. We can't do that anymore. But I wanna pray for you. I'm gonna tell you what, we talked about God is here, God is wherever you are. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what, it wasn't the sermon, but the Spirit has been uh, speaking to me. 
I need to allow God to change the way that I think. Maybe it's just one area. Maybe it's your whole life. Maybe you've never completely surrendered your life to God. But this morning, you wanna say, Lord, I need you to change the way that I think. I've been trying to make, I've been killing myself. I've been wearing myself out trying to change one thing after another in my life with no results. It's like the woman with the issue of blood that had seen one doctor after another for 12 years and it says the problem only got worse until she touched the hem of the master's garment. If you're here this morning and you say, I want God to change the way that I think, because here's the thing, we talked, we can't do it. If we could, we would have done it a long time ago. But if we just surrender everything to God, he'll change our mind, he'll change our actions, he'll change our life, and he'll change your future. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.